So how many of you have ever been in an 80-story building? I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you probably have. And of course, there are buildings that with many, many more stories than that, right? I think the uh, I think the ring leader these days is in Dubai. It's tall. It's like 2,700 feet or something like that. That dwarfs an 80-story building, which is only 800 feet tall, right? The story's about 10 feet. And uh, I bring that up this morning because this morning's uh, narrative takes place in Jericho. And Jericho, as many of you are aware, is the lowest town on earth. It's 800 feet below sea level. Think about that. You could put an 80-story building on the ground in Jericho, and if you stood on the top floor, you'd be at sea level. That's kind of that's kind of incredible to think about, you know. So uh, when we read about blind Bartimaeus sitting there at the edge of the city, he really was in a low place. I mean, he, he really was, both 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 realistically and spiritually. Consider the word of the Lord. Our reading this morning comes from Mark, the 10th chapter, verses 46 through 52. They came to Jericho as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man and said to him, Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who created all that is around us. God who desires for us fullness of life, health, and abundance, and vision for our blindness. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, we're in Mark chapter 10. We're finishing Mark chapter 10 this morning. I guess some of you will be happy about that. 
and uh, and others not. But I would I would uh, I would suggest that in your spiritual discipline of scripture memorization, which is one of the best spiritual disciplines any of us can enter into, that Mark chapter 10 would be a really good chapter to memorize. There are all sorts of wonderful things in Mark chapter 10. And I, I think you'd have to look far to find a single chapter that summarizes things so well as Mark does in chapter 10. Of course, Mark's, Mark is a great author about summarizing things anyway. I mean, the Gospel of Mark is only 16 chapters, uh, and as, as compared to the other Gospels, it's the shortest, but it's all in there. What do we, I, I, wanna, I wanna refresh our memory just a little bit about a few of the lessons we have learned in Mark chapter 10. It, uh, when Mark chapter 10 starts out, Jesus starts teaching about divorce. Then he teaches us about letting the little children come to us, right? To not hinder the little children. Then we have the greatest lesson of all, I believe, in Mark chapter 10, and that is that there is none good but God. And I think we would all be better off if we didn't forget that so often. There are times when we start to think that there are others around us, but, uh, but Jesus says quite plainly, there's none good but God. And he was answering the rich man who came to him to, to inquire upon him what he had to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus answered him straightforwardly, and he made the decision that he would take the other deal, right? He would rather have his stuff, so to speak. And it says he went away very sad, and I guess he did. We also see right after that, one of those, one of those scriptures that I believe even the heathens know these days, the people who don't normally take part in the spiritual discipline of scripture memorization, and that is that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Followed closely by Jesus reminding us that with us, with people, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And then, you know, I, 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 this, is, this is the verse that makes me think that James and John were Methodist because they, they're, they're, they're in chapter 10. They come up to Jesus and they say, and, and Jesus says to them, what can I do for you? Basically, exactly, exactly the same words that he asked Bartimaeus later on in the chapter. And of course, James and John say, we want glory and honor. We want one of us to sit at your right hand and one of us to sit at your left hand in glory, right? So, uh, but, uh, but no kidding. 
think about James and John the next time you think about what you are asking God for. But Jesus told them, he said, you know, the place at the right hand and the left hand of God has already been prepared for whomever it's prepared for. And then here we come along. We come to right before they are going out of Jericho. The lesson, Jesus never misses a teaching opportunity with his disciples. And when after James and John had come and asked to, be, to sit at his right and at left side in, in his glory, he said, you know, that's the way the, uh, the Methodists do. Actually, he said Gentiles, but, uh, but, uh, but I think he would consider us Gentiles too uh, at, at, at this particular point. He says, you know, it's, it's, it's not like that with us. He said, with the Gentiles... You know, they lord it over each other, who has power and who uh, bosses people around. But he said, in the kingdom of God, it's not that way. He said, the servant is the greatest. The servant is the greatest. And then, of course, that verse that I hope all of you know, Matthew 10, 45, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we, we get down there and we're, we're leaving Jericho, probably a good place to leave. It's probably hot, dry, down there, low down place. And they're going out of town and there on the outskirts of town is a blind beggar. Now Bartimaeus, which Mark reminds us is the son of Timaeus, because that's what Bartimaeus means, the son of Timaeus, is a perfect example. He, Bartimaeus epitomizes what a disciple should be. And bear with me and I'll tell you. And I think, I, I, said, I said Mark was good at keeping things concise, uh, I believe in the figure of Bartimaeus, Mark shows us both the figures of the other disciples and what a true disciple really looks like. The first thing Bartimaeus does is he recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. Wow. It took, uh, remember back there in Mark chapter 8, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus says to his disciples, who do people say that I am? Y'all remember that? And of course, Peter says, what? He says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Well, Bartimaeus didn't, wasn't there and didn't sit under all those teachings of Jesus but he recognized that Jesus was the son of David. He called out, called out, son of David, have mercy on me. Which, by the way, Bartimaeus is the only person in the book of Mark that refers to Jesus as the son of David. It's the first place you see it, and the other place you see it is a couple of chapters on down 
when Jesus is talking about himself. So Bartimaeus is the only one there. Bartimaeus recognizes who Jesus is. And that's something that a disciple does. A disciple recognizes who Jesus is. Again, just as Peter did earlier in chapter 8. Then look at what he does. Bartimaeus believes that Jesus can help him in his need. He believes that Jesus can help him in his need. Or he wouldn't have been shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me in the first place. Y'all remember in John chapter 20, Jesus has been resurrected. He's come, this is, a, this is the second time he's come to see the disciples, but the first time, who wasn't there? Thomas, right? The twin. Thomas wasn't there the first time. And Thomas says, you guys are full of it, right? He says, I'm not going to believe anything unless I can poke my finger through Jesus' hand and stick my, you know, stick my hand there and see the, the, the holes in him, you know, in, in his body. And, of course, Jesus walks back in the room while the door was closed, right? Is, is, is what John tells us there. It says he walked in while the door was closed, which is something else for us to think about. And then, and then Thomas touches his body. So uh, if you have any misconceptions about physics, uh, just think about it. Jesus says to Thomas, he says what? He says, blessed are you, you know. He says, you've seen me and you believe. And that's a good thing. But he said, blessed are those who don't see me and still believe. Well, Bartimaeus was blind, so he didn't see him. But he believed. He believed. And he did something else. He did something else. What, what, what happened? What did Jesus' good disciples do, just like they did when the children approached Jesus, you know, and they wanted to shush him off, right? Bartimaeus cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And they say, shut up. Right? That's what, that's, that's what it says. It says they, they, they told him to quiet down. Pipe down, you're going to disturb the Lord. Right? You know? And what does he do? What does a good disciple do? When somebody tells you to shut up, you scream louder. And that's what you do. And that's what Bartimaeus did. When, when, they, when they told him to be quiet, he raised his voice all the louder so that everybody could hear him again. Son of David. And then it says what? <coughs> Jesus stood still. He stood still. He'll stand still for you too if you cry out loud enough, just like he did for Bartimaeus. And Jesus again takes the opportunity of a perfect teaching moment. He didn't call Bartimaeus. He got his disciples to do it, right? They went over to Bartimaeus and said, take heart, rise up. He is calling you. He is calling you. So then here's where Bartimaeus does what the rich man refused to do. It says he threw off his cloak. Now, do you think it was cold in Jericho? I don't think it was cold in Jericho. Do you think Bartimaeus was dressed up like Count Dracula for Halloween? I don't think he was either. 
I don't think that's why he had a cloak either. I think Bartimaeus was sitting there by the side of the road and he had his cloak over his feet and that's what he was catching coins on. He was catching the money there when people were throwing it to him. His cloak was his tool of his profession, if, if you will. His cloak also, being a cloak, represents something that he could wear, it was on him, it could be a burden to him. Or I'll offer out that metaphorically, we all may carry cloaks in some of the things we believe. Did you notice Jesus didn't ask Bartimaeus to recite the Apostles' Creed or go through a bunch of anything else? He just called him. And Bartimaeus gave up. He threw away possibly the only possession he had. He's a blind beggar. He probably, he probably didn't have uh, uh, an ABC storage shed full of stuff, you know, uh, that, uh, uh, that, he, that he was keeping somewhere. That cloak might have been the only possession he had. And unlike the rich man, he gave it up, and it says, and it, it, it says he sprang up. I have a hard time springing these days, <laughs> but uh, and some of you may relate to that. But Bartimaeus, and we don't know how old he was. Bartimaeus could have been twenty. He could have been sixty. He could. It, it doesn't say. It just says he was a blind beggar, which again Mark does such a great job with, right? I mean, isn't that really who? All of us are. We're just blind beggars. But Bartimaeus got rid of his cloak, threw it down, sprang up, and he went to Jesus. He went to Jesus. Now you see Peter and Andrew and James and John, we read in Mark chapter 1, at one time had done a similar thing. It says they left their nets, they left all that they had, and they followed Jesus. But then we get to the point where when Jesus says, what can I do for you to them, they're wanting something else. They've been with him all that time, and they've forgotten. Maybe they've forgotten why they left their stuff in the first place, and were thinking they were going to get something else out of the deal. But Bartimaeus leaves everything and goes to Jesus. And of course, Jesus heals him. He makes him whole. I mean, that's what healing is. That's what salvation is. He made him whole again. And it says that I might regain my sight. Which opens, you know, which opens a lot of doors. But of course, I believe the whole story, I believe the whole story is not about physical sight as much as it is about spiritual sight. And Bartimaeus, again, is the epitome of showing us what spiritual sight is. Now, 
Bartimaeus goes over there. Jesus heals him, tells him that his faith has saved him. Right? And then he says, go. Wow. But Bartimaeus didn't obey. Bartimaeus went with Jesus. He joined the crowd. Now, where was the crowd going? I'm glad you asked. If, uh, if, 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 if you go on and read the, the, first, the first part of chapter 11 there, they're going to Jerusalem. This is, this is the end of Jesus' ministry in one aspect. We're, we're closing the door on a chapter here at the end of chapter 10. And Jesus is going on to Jerusalem to do another thing that he mentioned in chapter 10. I said it was a good, good chapter to memorize. He's, 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 he says in Mark chapter 10 for the third time that the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and killed and the third day rise from the dead. So instead of going, Bartimaeus follows Jesus. Which reminds me of the other disciple. We're tying the disciples in here. How how Bartimaeus, uh, Levi. We read about we read about Levi, A.K.A. Matthew, in Mark chapter two, at the end of chapter two. Most people re remember Mark chapter two because it's the chapter where the paralytic is brought in on the stretcher, and his friends rip the roof out of the house and lower him down before Jesus to get him healed. But at the end of chapter two, there's a very important little few verses about Levi sitting at the collection of taxes. Can't you see people throwing money on Bartimaeus' cloak? Analogous to people giving money to Levi in collection of taxes. But it says a very important thing about Levi, which is the same thing that Bartimaeus did. It said he followed Jesus. Now, Bartimaeus followed Jesus on up to Jerusalem. Remember in the scripture, you go up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is almost 3,000 feet in altitude. Not quite, but almost. Jericho is what? 800 feet below sea level. So, the, in, the, in the approximate 12 miles between Jericho and Jerusalem, you go up about 3,800 feet, about 3,800 feet. You know, when John wrote the book of Revelation, he heard a great voice that said what? Come up higher. Come up higher. See, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he's calling us to be the best we can be. He's calling us to a life of abundance. He's calling us to a higher place. When you're on top of an 80-story building or even a 3,000-foot hill, you've got a real good view of everything around you, don't you? You've got, not only can you see, you can see very, very well. Bartimaeus followed Jesus up there. He took him up higher. From the lowest place on earth, to a very, very high place. The Lord wants the best for all of us.
So just as I said to Bartimaeus that day, I'll say to y'all this morning, because it still applies to each and every one of us, take heart, rise up, he's calling you.